Today, our scripture passage comes from Luke 1, verses 46 through 56. It's a, a poem, but it's, it's really a hymn. It's one of four ancient hymns that are included in the New Testament. And uh, that means that this is not so much intended to be a reading as much as it's intended to be a song, I will spare you of my singing. But I want to remind you as we go through the scripture to hear it with the lilt of a hymn. Uh, it's called the Magnificat, and hopefully you've heard it before. It's known as Mary's Song. And it's the song that Mary sings after she learns that she is going to give birth to Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk more about that story and how she came to find out next week. But this week, we're focusing on what her joy looked like by looking at the Magnificat. So join me as we go through Luke 1, verses 46 through 56, Mary's song, the Magnificat. And Mary said... My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her, her cousin Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her home. Friends, I invite you to join me as we pray for God's spirit to share that good news into our hearts in the same text and the same spirit as God did with Mary. God, we ask that you will speak to us in ways that we can hear. We pray that you will move us as you have tried to move your people from generation to generation. We pray that we will respond to your movement. You accept us and welcome us and love us as we are, but we know that you do not leave us as we are. And so as we consider these words of Mary, help us to consider how you are calling us to transform and to respond to being the good news in the world today. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He got it from his mother. If you ever wondered where Jesus got some of his favorite themes that he uses over and over again in his sermons and in his teaching, themes about God's preferential love for the poor and the humble, and the way that he directs advice to the powerful and to the rich, urging them to reevaluate their priorities. If you ever wonder where Jesus got these themes, then we need to look no further than our scripture for today. Mary says, 
He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Mary did not mince her words. So if you ever wondered where Jesus got his understanding of who God is and how God acts in the world, then we need only to look at the Magnificat to see that he got it from his mother. In our Reformed tradition, Mary is often depicted as a silent silhouette in the night. She's serene and unspeaking in the face of a dramatic birth. And then she is tearful and in need of comfort at the scene of Jesus' death. She is often understood and described as the holy womb of God, or she is praised for responding in quiet obedience to her circumstances. But theologian Diedrich Bonhoeffer who was a German pastor executed by the Nazis. He called this Magnificat the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. Mary's song here in Luke is the longest set of words voiced by a woman in the whole New Testament. And it turns out that These words were voiced not just by any woman, but by a poor, young, pregnant, unmarried woman. Mary's song is revolutionary, written with the intent to change our lives. And this song has been changing people's lives since the day that it was first sung, even up until today. Artist Benjamin Wildflower, he grew up in the evangelical church here in the United States of America, and he had never heard Mary's song discussed in the church until he joined the Anglican church later on as he was an adult where the, the, Magnificat, the Magnificat is part of the evening prayers. Wildflower, upon hearing it, found it beautiful and profound. So one day, he picked up a piece of wood outside of a construction site, and he carved an image of Mary that was different from all of the sweet pictures of her either staring serenely up into heaven or staring quietly down at her infant. He drew her with her fist raised to the sky, her foot stomping on the head of a snake, surrounded by the words, fill the hungry, lift the lowly, cast down the mighty, send the rich away. Wildflower explained to the Washington Post in 2018, saying, she's a young woman singing a song about toppling rulers from their thrones. She's a radical who exists within the confines of institutionalized religion. When some Christians took issue with the political nature of his image, Wildflower explained to them that he didn't make any of it up. That revolutionary text in his carving came straight from the Bible. Mary does sing 
God has shown strength. He has brought down the powerful. She does sing. He has lifted up the lowly and fed the hungry and he has sent the rich away. When Mary wrote this song, two to 3% of the population was rich while the majority lived at a subsistence level existence. Theologian Warren Carter says that Mary articulates an end to economic structures that are exploitative and unjust. She speaks of a time when all will enjoy the good things given by God and not just a few. Which is why for the 97% of the people who joined Mary in singing this song in the years that followed Jesus' birth, this is a joyful, redemptive, exuberant song. And people around the world have continued to repeat and sing this song every decade since it was written. Its revolutionary message has invigorated impoverished communities to the point that some countries, such as India, Guatemala, Argentina, some countries have outright banned the Magnificat from being recited in liturgy or in public. Powerful people view this song as being too dangerous to be sung. Which leads us to the question, how do we find ourselves responding to Mary's song? Does her song threaten us or does it uplift us? Is it music to our ears or does it seed uncertainty in our hearts? If it's intended to be a wild expression of joy from Mary in response to God's work in her life and God's work in the world, then we have to ask, does it also elicit wild joy in each and every one of us? If this passage makes you feel uncomfortable, then you're in really good company because it makes me feel uncomfortable too. And it's made preachers and teachers and worship leaders in the Western world feel uncomfortable for generations. That's why we don't usually read the whole thing. We like how this song begins. It begins saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. God has looked down with favor. The mighty one has done great things for me. Oh, how we love how this begins. But we don't really like where the chorus takes us. We are like those people who just keep singing the first three lines of a song over and over again, either because we don't know the rest of the lyrics or because we don't like them. But I really believe that it's important for all of us to learn the rest of the song. Because there's no doubt that Jesus was influenced by his mother's message and that the message of God as proclaimed by Jesus Christ is rooted in Mary. 
A few chapters down the road from now in Luke 1, when we get to Luke 4, Jesus is, he returns to his home as a full-grown man and he goes into the synagogue and declares that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, to let the oppressed grow free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then in chapter 6, Jesus will teach his disciples saying, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now for you will be filled. Sound familiar? In Luke 14, he teaches his influential dinner host who's providing him dinner then and there. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or rich neighbors in case that they might invite you back and return, and then you would be repaid. He says, don't do that. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blinds, because they cannot repay you. And then you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Mary was not just a holy vessel for the Christ. She was Jesus' first Sunday school teacher who sang songs like this to him when he was a child growing up. Jesus' understanding of what good news is was shaped by his mother, by her voice, and by this song. And according to Jesus, Mary's song is absolutely an expression of good news. He took her understanding of God as she expressed it in the Magnificat and shared it as part of his message for his three years in ministry. He made himself close to those who needed this news the most, the poor, the outcast, the rejected, at the same time that he ate and shared time with the influential and the wealthy and the powerful, loving them just as he loved the least of these, but he relentlessly reminded them that God's good news is not found in the comfort of our own security or in the influence of our own societal power, but that God's good news was found in the poor being fed in the lowly being lifted up in dignity and in the uneven paths being made level and straight. In all the craziness of this year, in all of the reevaluating and the reprioritizing that we have been left to do, I have to think that maybe now is a really great time for us to learn the rest of the lyrics to Mary's song. I think that now is a wonderful time for us to consider how we are being called to reprioritize all of the things that we value in our life so that we can share in Mary's expression of joy. Friends, we are not excluded from the world that Mary is talking about, just in the way that we are not excluded from the world that Jesus talks about. We are not excluded from the kingdom of God as they are proclaiming it will come down as good news. We are invited to be a part of it.
So what is it that you and me are being called to reprioritize so that we can be a part of this magnificent song that declares that the lowly will be brought up, that the hungry will be filled, that asserts that the rich will be sent away, but that justice will win. Friends, we are invited to be a part of it. I invite you to consider and respond to how God is calling you to be this good news in the world today for you and for me. Amen.